Psalm uh, 139 will be on the screen, starting in verse 13. It says this, For you were formed, or for you formed, my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So let let me tell you why I I absolutely love this scripture. Um, I love it because what it says is that God uh, did not decide to create the world and then build this like baby making machine in heaven that shoots babies down to earth and then set the world spinning and walk away to go handle other business. That's not what God said and that's not what the Bible just said. That's not what he did. God is not detached from creation. There is not some angelic machine in heaven churning out infants. He did not out of a mass assembly line build a computer or some other system that just goes like two arms, two legs, ears, eyes, and shoots us down to walk and live on earth. But rather, his word where we find truth says that God is in each one of our mother's wombs expertly and intentionally molding us individually. This is not mass assembly line. This is God as the artist molding you like clay into what he wants you to be. Painting on the canvas of who you are a very detailed picture. Isn't that crazy to think about? That God is so into you as an individual that Not only has your form been created, your outside appearance, but also your unseen substance, Psalm 139 said. So your temperament, your heart, how affectionate you are, how not affectionate some of you are. Think about that. It's not this printing press, assembly line kind of thing that just keeps shooting embryos to earth. This is a God that is very actively working on you and working on me. And that's pretty amazing, isn't it? And it makes me a little bitter about how some things turned out. I don't know about you. Listen, beloved, this loving, all-powerful, incredible God created you and me in a certain way. On purpose. He didn't stop creating in Genesis 2. He didn't walk away from our first parents, Adam and Eve, when when they chose a different rhythm, chose chaos over God's rhythm in Genesis 3. He didn't walk away. No, he is intimately involved in making you, you, and me, me. He's the composer of this song, but not only that, he's the conductor. So he sticks around and he shows us how this song is sung best. He's the teacher walking next to us going, no, not like this, but like this. Not like that. Trust me, I wrote this song. Not like this. Do it like that. He is not a God that is far off, like a song or your heartbeat. There is this rhythm to creation that has been messed up because of sin. And even if you don't have rhythm, you can't feel 
or you, you can't make rhythm or keep rhythm. You can feel it. Everybody can feel rhythm like a saxophone player getting out of rhythm with the rest of the orchestra you're, or your heart not beating in the right rhythm. It's just, it feels wrong, doesn't it? Satan's rhythm is, is wrong. He's singing a different song contrary to the song of creation. You can feel that something's off. There's this emptiness and it's painful. You may be out of rhythm and in pain because you're out of rhythm with the way God created your life to work. But here's what I want you to hear today. You are not abandoned. You are not without hope because this God we're talking about saw you in your rebellion, saw you in your sin, saw you when you were living life outside of his rhythm, saw you when you were at your worst. And Romans 5.8 says that Jesus in your sin saw you and said, I'll give my life to them. That's what it That's what it said. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not after we cleaned ourselves up, but while we were in the worst of the worst, Jesus looked down at you and goes, I'll die for her. I'll die for him. Even at your worst, Jesus gave his life. He entered human history. And when that happened, like your heart being shocked from arrhythmia back into rhythm, His sacrifice and his resurrection shocked the heart of creation back into rhythm so that now you can find your place again. Now you can play your part, fulfill your purpose. And that deep pain and that sense that something's off, that emptiness can be exchanged for a deep peace that only God can give, a a peace that remains no matter what tragedy or trial you face. And so in this series, we're talking about a few different rhythms that God has given us in his word. Because here's the thing, God has not hidden this from us, right? This is not some secret that you have to travel to some other land and talk to some guru at the top of a mountain to figure out. This isn't like like God is holding this back from us. And if we are good enough, if we're smart enough, if we're strong enough, if we persevere long enough, that he'll give us the secret. That's not the way God set this up. In fact, he broadcasts, God broadcasts his rhythm out to you and to me, followers of Jesus and to Anyone who would listen, he broadcasts his rhythm in his word. Do you believe that? Because last week we talked about devotional rhythm. And if we believe that his word has in it how we're supposed to live, then devotional rhythm is kind of a big deal, right? Get into the word every day. And in this series we'll talk about marriage rhythm, family rhythm, even Sabbath rhythm, but today I want to talk to you about, about Thanksgiving rhythm. Some of you are like, oh, I got this one down. You should see all the turkey I can eat, right? I have a great Thanksgiving rhythm, like turkey, ham, mashed potatoes, pie, turkey, ham, mashed potatoes, pie, turkey, ham, mashed potatoes, pie. See the rhythm? I got a great Thanksgiving rhythm, but I'm not talking about Thanksgiving, the holiday. I'm talking about The attitude, the action, the principle of thanksgiving, giving thanks to God. There's this thanksgiving rhythm in the scriptures that is actually pretty foundational to life as a follower of Christ. And here's the thing. I think a lot of us are stressed out. We're worried. We're frazzled. And this thanksgiving rhythm has the potential to change all that. 
It really does. It has the potential to change all that. Like, like the first domino that causes all the rest to be knocked down. Did you ever set up dominoes and then knock them down? It's like a waste of time, right? But when I was a kid, I used to do all these, ma- you know, these big domino mazes and knock the first one down gently, and it would knock the rest of them down. It was pretty cool, right? How many of you would be honest enough to say, I still do that today? I'm an adult, but I play with dominoes. Okay, nobody, all right. Uh, I don't believe you. Lying in church is like a double sin. It's like a double sin. But uh, it's that, the, the effect of dominoes knocking other dominoes down, it's called the domino effect, right? It's this idea that one thing, kind of chain reaction. One thing starts and other things start to, to fall. Um, this is like that. This is like that. When you, when you get into this Thanksgiving rhythm, it knocks the domino of, of pride down. And then worry. And then envy and then stress, and so on. It's foundational. It's a big deal. So let me show you a passage of Scripture real quick. Psalm 100. Psalm 100, starting in verse 1, says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. This is a command, so it's do it. Praise the Lord, come into his presence with with singing, be glad, make a joyful noise. Some of you are glad it says joyful noise and not like good sounding noise, right? When you're singing, you're like, oh gosh, it just says joyful. All I have to do is be joyful, good thing, right? But wouldn't it be great if we could just kind of make this happen? That we could just kind of hit a light switch and just turn all that on, just be glad and like when when you wake up in the morning and you're in that bad mood, you look at your kids, and you just think, this might be the day that I destroy you all. <laughs> I mean, this might, it might happen today. Everybody watch out. It might happen today, right? Yeah, it's hard to, hard to be glad in that moment, right? Or your wife moved your stuff. Have you ever experienced that, husbands? Your wife just moves your stuff, and you're like, they're going to write about this moment right here in the newspaper, I guess it's just going to be like husband finally lost it and ran through the neighborhood screaming because his wife had moved his bag and he couldn't find it. Husbands everywhere admit they're not far off from that, right? The noises coming out of your mouth in that moment are not so joyful, are they? No. Or you're standing in front of the cabinet and you're kind of twitching, just about to lose it because you got a Tupperware bowl in your hand you can't find the lid. And you're looking through all the lids, and you're like, none of these lids fit these bowls. How'd that even happen? Is this some kind of a cosmic trick? Don't act like you haven't been there. You're not really feeling the whole enter his presence with singing in that moment, right? It's not easy to just turn this on. And I think God anticipated that whole thing because he includes this next part in Psalm 100, starting in verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. So, so follow me here. Here's what I'm thinking that this is, this is saying. A rhythm of thankfulness starts with getting this right. Who God is to me. I've got to get this right. 
Who is God to me? Who God is to me? Know the Lord, verse 3 said. Know the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. Know him. So that's where this starts. It's about identity. First, God's identity. He's the one who made the heavens and the earth. He's the God who determined the orbit lines of the planets and the distance of the stars from the earth. He, he tilted the earth just right and made it just at the right distance from the sun that you and I can breathe and not freeze and not burn, right? God determined the distance that would work for us. He decided on the temperature of the seas. He made the seasons. He's responsible for the sunset and the colors of the leaves as they change. He made it all. He made it all. But not only that, he's the one who knit you in your mother's womb and knows the number of hairs on your head. He doesn't leave you or forsake you. He created you, all of you, every part of you, to work in a certain rhythm. Physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally. Thankfulness starts with this understanding of who God is to you. Is he, is he some nebulous, ambiguous force in the universe? Is he an idea? Is he a, a religion to you? Is he just something that your parents believed in? Is he a fairy tale? Or, or maybe a genie? granting you wishes or a kid with a magnifying glass over an anthill just messing with your life who is God to you is he the creator of the universe maybe the one who made you the one who loves you the God of the universe who is not dead the God of the heavens who does not leave the God of your life who does not make mistakes the sovereign God of Genesis 1 who created everything in a certain rhythm in peace and shalom. So who is God to you? If you don't get that right, then there's no way you can be glad, rejoice, sing in his presence. Well, that's not totally true. All of us can do all of that sometimes, right? All of us can, can be glad and rejoice and give thanks to God sometimes when things are going well, right? When things are going really good, like when we get that promotion. God is so good. I got that promotion. Thank you, God, right? When we get the new car, like, nice car, man. Thanks. God bless me. It's a blessing from God. Thank you. What about the debt that you went into to get the car? Blessing from God. It's a blessing from God. Blessed, right? Or when you get that moment at your house where the kids are all acting right and they don't have snotty noses and they've been fed even if it was just cheerios they were fed and you get that pick you know you take that pick of the perfect family or maybe all hell is breaking loose at your house but you like gather them together and act like everything's okay and take a pick don't act like you don't do that hashtag blessed hashtag best family in the world hashtag no problems at all what I'm saying is that we can be thankful when things are going really good, when things are easy, when things are going the way we want, when the genie is granting our wishes. We can be thankful then, but what about when things aren't so great? What about when you get laid off? 
your car breaks down. You're struggling with one of your kids, and it seems like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. It's never going to stop. You can't find a solution. What about, what about when you tragically and unexpectedly lose a loved one? You see, when I'm talking about a rhythm of thanksgiving, I'm talking about this constant, consistent gratitude that remains no matter what. That's why it starts with who God is, not what he has given you, not what you have. The sort of thankfulness I'm talking about, it really has nothing to do with what you have or don't have. Let me show you what I mean. Look at a couple of scriptures with me. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it'll be on the screen. This is one to put in your mirror, on your mirror, um, at your home somewhere. Memorize, it's a good one to, to remind yourself, one to have around the house. Um, you could put it on your bumper or bumper sticker, uh, but then you wouldn't see it because you wouldn't see the bumper. Okay, anyways, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in what? All circumstances. Everybody say all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice, pray, give thanks, not just when things are peachy and easy, cotton candy and rainbows, but when you're in your darkest hour, when things don't go right, when you wake up mad at the world, then too, then too. And maybe it seems impossible, but not if your thankfulness or your, and your contentment is based on who God is instead of what you have. Let me say it this way, again, just to make sure you get this. Biblical thankfulness finds its foundation not in what I have, but who God is. Say that with me on three. It should be on the screen. Nail on it. One, two, three. Biblical thankfulness finds its foundation not in what I have, but in who God is. We're not talking about some made-up God. We're not talking about an idea or a religion or a set of morals even or a hobby or a statue made of wood or stone. We're talking about the creator of the universe, the creator of the planets and the stars, the earth and all that is in it, which means he's not just the creator of the universe, but he's the creator of you. And for some of you, that's enough. Now, that gets you into a Thanksgiving rhythm, not turkeys, but thankfulness. For some of you, just spending a few minutes meditating on the immensity of God, the power of God, that he is this creator, God, this huge God. Some of you just meditate on that for a few minutes, and that's enough to shock your heart of thankfulness back into rhythm, the rhythm God created it to function in. But there's another piece of this that I want you to see, because a lot of us get stuck here and still can't be Thankful. So look at Psalm 100 again. It says, Make joyful noise, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. That's who he is to you. He is God. It's he who made us, and we are what? His. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of of his pasture. Look at verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is what? The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. His steadfast love for who? Us, right? Everybody, me. 
His faithfulness to whom? Us, right? So this is talking about forever he is faithful to us. Forever his love endures for, for us. So now we can say this. A rhythm of thanks, thankfulness starts with getting this right. Who God is to me and who I am to God. Who God is to me and who I am to God. It's, it's about identity. It's like, like glasses. Glasses have two lenses, right? I'm right about that, aren't I? Unless you have three eyes. Okay. Glasses have two, two lenses. If you wear glasses, if you only have one lens in, one gets knocked out or something, you wear that, it's going to be blurry, right? You're going to be able to see out of one eye but not the other, and it's going to be blurry, and you're going to run into stuff probably. You shouldn't drive if that's you. And probably your head's going to start hurting and you're going to start feeling nauseous because there's this, it's, everything's out of focus, right? And you're going to have two options. One is to close one eye indefinitely. The other is to get the other lens, right? Put the other lens in and then through both lenses, now you can see clearly thankfulness is like that. Its foundation is these two things. Like lenses in your glasses, you need both. God's identity to you and your identity to him. He is creator, sustainer, mighty, powerful, sovereign. That's all true, but this is true too. You are his. You are his people. You are the sheep in his pasture. Think about that. It means he's chosen you. Chosen you as his people. You're the sheep of his pasture. It means he's going to love and care for you, right? You are his, not because of what you've done, not because of what you can do for him. Like God didn't draft you like a football player thinking, man, this guy's going to give us great offense. So this guy's going to really make us really good this season, right? That's not how it works with God. God didn't get you onto the team because of what you can offer him. He got you onto the team because of what he can offer you, Right? So it's not, it has nothing to do with what you can do, your ability, or what you can't do. It goes deeper than that. This is your identity. You are his. Like a child to a loving father, you are his. Like my son Joshua, he doesn't have to prove himself to me in order to be counted as one of mine, be a part of my family, right? It's not like I get home from work and I'm, He's been at pre-K, and I talk to him, and I go, how was pre-K? Did you do good? And he's like, no, I did bad. And I'm like, get out. You're not a part of our family. Anymore. That's not the way it works, right? It doesn't matter what he does or doesn't do. He doesn't have to prove it to me. He is always mine. He's always a part of our family. He belongs because he was born to me. He belongs because of who he is to me. Are you tracking with me? No matter what he does or doesn't do, he will always be my son. He will always have a home in me. He will always find me wanting the best for him, wanting his good. When he was born, I held him in my arms, and I did not say, man, I can't wait till he mows my lawn. I just can't wait till he's able to mow my lawn, you know? That's not what I said. I didn't look at him and say, I got I to gotta look from a dad just then. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> because that's what I said, all right? I didn't look at him and say, 
what are you going to produce for me? I didn't look at him and say, man, I'm glad you're cute. Otherwise, I'd get rid of you. I'm glad that uh, you're something good to look at. Otherwise, I'd really probably toss you out. No, that, what thought was going through my mind? I love you, little man. I'm going to be here for you forever. You are my family. I'll give my life for you. I love you. And I just began to pray for God to bless him, to give him a purpose, to rescue him from darkness as soon as possible. Why? Because he was mine. I gave him a name. I clothed him. I took care of him. He's my people. He's one of the four sheep in my pasture, the pastor of my family, the one that matters most. So this is about identity, right? Some of you can have your heart of thanksgiving shocked back into God, into a godly rhythm just by thinking of who God is. But many of you, that's not your struggle. Yours is you, not him. Your identity, not, not his identity. You, you know he's all-powerful and mighty and all that, but you struggle to believe that he actually cares for you, that he loves you, that he knows you by name, that he's involved in your life at all. And so it's hard for you to be thankful. You view everything in your life through the wrong lens, a lens of worthlessness and this feeling that the God of the universe, though all-powerful, doesn't love you, doesn't care for you, doesn't have your best in mind. And so how can you be thankful? How could you possibly be thankful? How could you not be worried? How could you not be stressed out about what's happening, what will happen, what might happen? Because yours is a chaotic, devastating existence, is it not? There is an all-powerful God, but I can't trust him because I don't think he even knows I exist. I don't even think he loves me. I don't think he cares about me. Listen, beloved. That is not true. Some of you need to listen to me very carefully. You are not forgotten. You have not been abandoned or discarded. You are loved. You are cared for. If you've trusted God with your life, you are his. And nothing can change that. You are not worthless. You are valuable to God. Did you guys see um, that they found a a new Da Vinci, Leonardo Da Vinci um, painting? called Salvatore Mundi, which means the savior of the world. It's of Jesus, right? Found it a few years ago, actually. Um, it was thought to be just a knockoff, a fake, uh, but as someone got to peeling off layers of paint, they found this great value underneath, and they started to think, oh, gosh, I think this is legit. This is an original work. And, and so, you know, it just got crazy from there. But last week, last week, Salvatore Mundi sold uh, for $450 million dollars. million, so it's in my living room. $450 million, isn't that crazy? It's a record for for selling stuff, I don't know, selling anything, no, Uh, selling paintings by a long shot. Not too long ago, this painting, think about this, not too long ago, this painting was pretty worthless. It was in a stack of knockoffs until they figured out who the artist was. 
The value wasn't in how it looked. The value was in who the artist was. Your value is in who made you. Who the artist of your soul is. Who's responsible for making you, you. Not in what you can do for other people. Not in what other people think. But but who made you. You are valuable to God because he's the one who made you. You are valuable enough for him to spend the time knitting you in your mother's womb and being involved in your life every day. And listen, if you get this right, who God is to you and who you are to God, then it really changes your outlook. Because now I know that everything is God's. He's all-powerful and the owner of everything and that he loves me. He's faithful. He wants my good. So I'm thankful. And listen, this is important. I'm thankful for what I have and I'm thankful for what I don't have. Because the things I have, well, those were given to me by an all-powerful God who loves me. And the things that I don't have, well, God's smarter than me. Maybe I'm not supposed to have that stuff, right? And I'm thankful no matter what because I have a God who is all-powerful who also loves me. Transcendent, big, in heaven, the whole almighty and also imminent right here in my life, transcendent and imminent. I'm thankful when I'm on the mountaintop because this is God who did this, gave this, accomplished this. Not me. God did it. And when things aren't easy and I'm struggling down in the depths of the valley, I'm thankful because God is good and he loves me and I am his and I can trust him. All circumstances, right? Like 1 Thessalonians 5 said. This is where that Thanksgiving rhythm is established. And when you're thankful to God as a rule instead of as an exception, in all times instead of just good times, then that's what allows you to be content. And contentment is just thankfulness that's not contingent on outward circumstances. Contentment is just thankfulness that's not contingent on outward circumstances. Joy that doesn't go up and down with the waves of the sea and back and forth with the wind of your situation. Peace that remains. Thankfulness based on who God is to you and who you are to God. That's what the apostle, that's what allowed the apostle Paul to to write this in, in Philippians 4. Starting in verse 11. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. And in, in, in any and in every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Plenty and hunger, abundance and need, it doesn't matter. I'm the same. My heart is the same. I'm not freaking out, right? I'm not worried. I'm not confused about where my blessing comes from. I'm not thinking that I got myself this promotion. When things are good, I'm content and I'm thankful because I know who God is to me. And then when I'm struggling, I, I, I don't get, when I don't get what I want, when my relationships are not going the way I want them to, they're going through a rough patch or whatever, I'm not running around screaming. My foundation isn't shaken. I don't lose my footing when I, the genie is not granting all of my wishes, right? I'm content and I'm thankful because I know who I am to God. 
I'm in this rhythm of thankfulness. Not just here or there, it's constant. It's one of the godly rhythms I live my life by. My coworkers, the world, the message I see on TV and in culture, they're screaming dissatisfaction. Get more, get more, get more. You need more, you need more, you need more. And then when you don't get it, freak out. Yell, scream, because you deserve whatever you want in any moment. They live by a different rhythm. And it's chaotic. And it's devastating to the soul. Not me. Everybody say, not me. Maybe some of you. Not me, right? I choose to live in the rhythm of thankfulness. I choose to live in a different rhythm than the world. A couple of last quick thoughts on this. The first is that just like with any other rhythm we're talking about in this series, you need Jesus for all of this. Um, You can't live in this rhythm until your soul has, has been shocked back into the rhythm that Jesus created it to work in at the deepest level, but by Jesus' work on the cross. That, that's where this thing starts, so don't forget that. If you haven't given your life over to Jesus, just start there. Give your life over to him. But once you do that, if you're a Christian trying to figure out how to live by a rhythm of thankfulness, you you should know that it's not like a light switch. It's not a one-time thing. It's not like today we're talking about thankfulness and it's just going to click into place and you're not going to have any problems from here on out being thankful to the God who loves you. That's not the way it works. With all of these rhythms we're talking about, you have to be intentional. You have to establish this rhythm and stay on it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Establish new patterns in your life, in your thoughts, in your words. You might not feel it, but you have to spend some time being thankful, actively being thankful. You have to ask for God's help every day. You have to establish a rhythm, a routine of waking up and thanking God for all that you have and all that you don't have. When something goes well, you don't just rejoice and get happy. You give thanks to God. Not just, man, I'm so thankful this happened, but I'm thankful to God because this happened, right? You see how that's a little different? You're vocal and you're verbal and you're intentional about being thankful to God when things are are going really, really good. You do that outwardly. You show your thankfulness to God. And when things are tough and you start to think like you used to, like God must not love me. God doesn't care about me. He must not be able to help me. He must be mad at me. My life is just a horrible mess. And you start spiraling. You have to self-correct. You have to take a beat and go, you know what? No. I'm loved. I'm his. I'm a sheep in his pasture. He's all powerful, but he also loves me. He's smarter than me, so there must be something I'm supposed to learn through this. I must be going through this tough time for a reason. I'm thankful for all I have, the easy stuff and the hard stuff. You'll have to pull yourself back to the right side of this thing and ask your family, your friends, your life group to help keep you there. And then one last thing. What do you get out of this? I mean, why should you work to get in step with the rhythm of thankfulness like we're talking about? Let me answer that just by asking a question. Do you want peace? Do you want joy? Joy is different than happiness, by the way. Happiness is based on happening, happenstance. 
Joy is something that comes from the Lord and abides. Do you want abiding joy, peace? Do you want fulfillment? Because I'll be honest with you. I don't think any of that is possible without what we're talking about today. I, don't, I just don't think it's within your grasp outside of this rhythm of thankfulness. Look at Philippians 4 again real quick, starting in verse 4. The Apostle Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Some of you are so anxious. You're just worried all the time. My heart breaks for you. Don't be anxious. Instead, choose to be thankful. How do you do that? Well, Philippians 4 just said you pray. You lay your troubles down before the Lord. You depend on him. You lean into him because of who he is to you and because of who you are to him. And if you do that, this sacred scripture of ours just said that the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will keep you tethered to Jesus. Like a domino, thankfulness knocks over anxiety, worry, selfishness, even depression. Listen, God is not far off. He did not set some angelic machine up that shoots embryos down to earth and and then just walk away. He was intimately involved in knitting you together, all of you, in your mother's womb. Here's what I want you to hear. He was involved then, and he's involved now. Isn't that good news? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that the truth of this would transform our lives, go deep into our hearts, create roots that go deep, bear fruit in our lives, even immediately, God, I pray. For those in this room who are struggling to find their value in you, struggling to believe that you care about them, that you took the time to knit them in their mother's womb, and you know the number of hairs on their head, and you are here with them every single day. God, I pray against doubt and the lie of the enemy that would say, you messed up too much, you made too big of a mistake, God doesn't love you, doesn't want you, you can't be his, like Pastor Jake was talking about, I I pray against that in the name of Jesus right now. I pray that you would, God, allow your truth to reign supreme in our hearts to trump that lie that is there about our worth and about your love for us. And God, that we would realize that you are a God who rescues us from the darkest of places, that there is no place we can go that you cannot find us, no sin that we could commit, that you 
did not pay for on the cross. The Bible says, God, that your arm is not too short to rescue us. And so I just pray in Jesus' name that we would get just a glimpse of our worth to you, our value to you, your love for us along with so, so our identity in you, but also your identity, who you are. And that those two things, like two lenses in, a glass, in glasses, would help us to live by this rhythm of thankfulness. That founded in these truths, we would find it in our hearts, easy maybe even, to, to praise you into your courts with thanksgiving, to... Make a joyful noise. Not just when things are easy, but when they're difficult. We trust you in all of this, Jesus. And we pray, God, that you would lead us and guide us this week as we celebrate Thanksgiving. Let it be not about, even not, not even about family, first and foremost. Definitely not about turkey. Let it be about you. All that you've done for us. Let us look back over this year and Point out not over the not not only the promotions and the new stuff and the good relationships and the babies and all of that, but let us point out the things that were a struggle in the moment, and yet a- after we got through them, we saw that you were faithful through that. Bring those things to our remembrance, Jesus, as we try to be thankful. We love you and we praise your name for all that you give us and all that you withhold from us. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Why don't you stand with me? It's been a pleasure to unpack the word for you today. I pray that it's, uh, it haunts you this week, whatever is of God, that it would stick with you, whatever is of me, would fall to the wayside. But here's my prayer for you. May the God who determined the orbit lines of planets and set the distance from the earth to the sun convince you of his love for you today. May you at the deepest level of your being Feel where you're out of step with God's rhythm for your life. And may thanksgiving for you, for us here at Great Oaks, be more than a holiday, but a way of life this this day forward. God bless you guys. Make sure you go to a life group if it's not, if it's happening this week with Thanksgiving and all of that. Discuss this with them or discuss it with them next week. But remember, just as you've been helped to take your next step towards God, today, so should you help others to do the same. So I just encourage you, don't let this stop here. Talk to someone else about it. Be a Jesus follower who makes and disciples other Jesus followers. You with me? Let's sing this song. We're going to have some prayer workers at the side. They would love to pray for you. God bless.